You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramapit Shemesh Israel 5769, 2009. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Baha'a We're going to focus in on the story of the Mis'oinanim, the complainers. Numerous points, as usual, that we need to find, we need to understand exactly what's going on. So the Torah tells us as follows. The story begins that there were Mis'oinanim, complainers. And these complainers, what exactly were they complaining about? So the Torah begins to describe as follows. There was a group of people called the Asafsuf. These were a group of rabble-rousers. Rashi says it was the Erev Rav. The Erev Rav, it's an important concept we're going to speak about at length, with Hashem's help. This Erev Rav, which translates literally as the mixed multitude, represented the people, the Mitzrim, the Egyptians, who had come along with the Jewish people and decided to join the Jewish people in their quest, in their spiritual journey towards Mount Sinai and their revelation of God. However, these people did not have the sterling ethical qualities, let us say, that the Jewish people themselves naturally possessed. And whenever we have any kind of complaining that's going on, whenever we have difficulties, whenever we have a beginning of a rebellion of sorts, it's usually going to take place as a result of this group of people. Now, in this story as well, what we have is that they begin to complain. They begin to have a taiva, a desire. They want meat. They're sick of the man. This manna that they've been eating every day that comes down miraculously from the heavens. They're sick of it. They want meat. We remember the fish that we had in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, that was free. We remember the watermelons. And we remember all kinds of different wonderful delicacies that we had in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, that we don't have anymore. This complaint began with this group of people, the Asafsuf, the Erev Rav, the mixed multitude, and it spread to the Jewish people themselves until we find that there was a Bechia, a crying, a weeping on the part of the Jewish people. At that point, there was a tremendous anger on the part of God and a tremendous anger on the part of Moshe, Moses himself. And Moshe turns to God and he says to him, I can't handle this nation. This nation is just too difficult for me to be able to handle on my own. And God says to him, you know what? You're right. It's too much for you. We're going to take 70 elders, 70 zikanim. We're going to take from your Ruach HaKodesh, your divine inspiration, and it's going to be spread out upon those 70 individuals. And those people are going to take part in helping you out. Then Hashem says that because of this complaint that the Jewish people cried over, the fact that they don't have any meat, they weren't happy with the man, I'm going to provide for them ample meat, not for one day, not for two days, not for five days, not for ten days, not for twenty days, says God. There will be ample meat for a month's time. And Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, he turns to God and he says, Could it be? So many people, 600,000 men alone. And how are you going to provide all this meat? That's what Moshe says to Hashem. And Hashem says, Don't worry, I can do anything, okay? Don't, you don't have to worry about this. So then Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people what God had responded to their complaints. The next day, he brings those 70 individuals, those 70 Zikanim elders, and they all come together, and Moshe takes his Ruach HaKodesh, his divine inspiration, and somehow he's able to spread it out upon these 70 individuals till they also have an experience of prophecy, and they're also able to help him out. Now what's interesting is that the Torah tells us that there were two additional individuals who had not come to Moshe, who had not come to join these 70 people. They remained in the camp. However, the Ruach HaKodesh, this divine inspiration, this ability to have prophecy, it actually came upon those two individuals as well. And their names were Eldad and Medad. 
And at that point, they said a prophecy, and the prophecy was that Moses, even though the decree had not yet come about, that he was supposed to die, nevertheless they said he's going to die, and Joshua, Yehoshua, is going to lead the Jewish people into the land of Israel on his own. And when Yehoshua heard that they were saying this thing, it was horrible. How could they say Moshe was going to die? And he says to Moshe, you must do something about these people. you got to get rid of them. Listen to what they're saying. And Moshe says, listen, if you're worried about my honor, don't worry about my honor. It's okay. It would be great if all the entire Jewish people would become prophets. Halavai, that would be wonderful. Then the Torah continues to tell us how God sends a great wind, and this wind brings along with it a group of quail, many, many birds. And the birds are the meat that the Jews had desired. And all those who had complained and desired for this meat, they began to eat the meat. And the Torah tells us as soon as they began to eat the meat, the, the meat was still between their teeth. They were chewing on it. And those people, all those complainers, they died. Now let's go through this story point by point. There are numerous issues that we need to understand, and God willing, with Hashem's help, we'll begin to understand a great depth here. The first point I'd like to understand is that, as we mentioned, we see that constantly there's this group called the Erev Rav, this mixed multitude that's always causing the Jewish people to sin. Why is it, first of all, why do they exist? What's their purpose? Why is it that they're always the ones causing the trouble? What's the understanding? Second point, why was it that the thing that they were focused on, the thing that they complained about was the man, the man, the manna of all things. It was this wonderful food. You would eat this food. You wouldn't have to use the facilities. You wouldn't have to relieve yourself. It was completely processed by your body. And the Torah describes how it had a wonderful taste and it would come miraculously and it would come to the tzaddikim, to the righteous people, it would come to their doorstep. There was nothing more wonderful in the entire world, a more special food than this manna. Why were they complaining about the man? Another thing that we see is that the Jewish people's crying, their tears, was one of the things that evoked a tremendous amount of anger on the part of Moshe, Moses, and also on the part of God. So what's the understanding, first of all, why did they cry so much? And second of all, why did that result in so much anger? The next point is twofold, and that is that we see that Moshe Rabbeinu, he complains to God, he says, I can't handle this anymore. The Jewish people is just too much for me. So God says, okay, we're going to bring you 70 new individuals, we're going to give them prophecy, and they're going to help you out. First question is, why? Mapitam, all of a sudden, he can't handle them anymore. It's too much for him. Why now? And second of all, we have here 70 people who are now getting this Ruach HaKodesh, this unbelievable divine inspiration. It sounds like a good thing, but it seems to be coming as a result of a very negative thing. Why does this tremendously positive or seemingly positive thing occur that these 70 individuals now get this tremendous Ruach HaKodesh prophecy as a result of this tremendous complaint on the part of the Jewish people. The next point that's difficult is that Hashem says to Moshe, God says to Moses, I'm going to bring a tremendous amount of meat, enough for a full month's time for the entire Jewish people. And Moshe says, how could it be? God, how could you do that? It's not possible. It's impossible. And God says to him, nothing's impossible for me. If there's anyone who knows that God is capable of doing anything, that God is infinite, and He can do whatever He wants, it's Moshe Rabbeinu. How could Moses challenge God? What was his question exactly? Another interesting thing that we see in this story that also needs explanation is that we have these two individuals, Eldad and Medad. And they were in the middle of the camp. They hadn't come to join these 70 elders. But somehow, some way, they were able to access that Ruach HaKodesh, that level of prophecy, and they were able to prophecy about Moshe Rabbeinu and Yahushua, saying that Moses is going to die, Joshua is going to bring the Jewish people into Egypt. The question is, why all of a sudden did they get this prophecy? That's number one. And number two is, why specifically was it this prophecy that they were going to say, the fact that Moshe was going to die, and Joshua was going to bring the Jewish people into, into the land of Israel? 
Now, let's go back through each point, point by point, and we'll see that actually the first point that we asked is going to open up the entire story for us so that we can have a tremendous depth. The first question that we asked was, who is the Erev Rav? Who is this group of people that we refer to as the mixed multitude? What is their character? Why are they the ones that are always starting all the trouble? What is their place in the Jewish people? And we need to know, this is something that's essential for us to understand, because actually, the era of Rab, this group of people, so their souls got mixed up with the Jewish people for all time. To this very day, we have the souls of those original Egyptians who had joined, the rabble-rousers. They still exist in the Jewish people to this day, and they still perform the same function that they performed then. Now, the key to understanding the concept of the era of Rab, the mixed multitude, actually lies in the gematria, the numerical value of the word era of Rav. And I noticed this, and it's an unbelievable thing. The numerical value of era of Rav is 474. Now, the significance of that is that the word da'as, which means understanding or knowledge, is also 474. Now, what's the significance of the fact that knowledge is the same value as the word Eir of Rav, the mixed multitude? The significance is as follows. First, we need to understand what is the concept of Da'as, of real knowledge. Real knowledge doesn't just mean I know something intellectually, I know something emotionally. Real knowledge, Da'as, is what we call experiential knowledge. There's a back and forth that occurs. I try to understand you, you try to understand me. When we get to the point that we are on the same page, that's called Da'as. We have an experiential knowledge of each other. We can work together. That's Da'as. Da'as, understanding, is also a word that's used to describe very intimate relationships between a man and his wife. And the reason is because when someone enters into a very intimate relationship, so there's a certain level of understanding between the two parties that's really necessary in order to forge the bond properly. The word Da'as, understanding, is also used in regards to the relationship that the Jewish people has with God. There's a Da'as. There's an experiential knowledge that when we have the ultimate level, for instance, in regards to the days of Mashiach, when the Messiah comes, it's, it talks about the fact, Hashem. the entire world will be filled with the knowledge of God. And what that means is there's an experience of God, an intimate understanding of God. It's not just like God is distant, we can't really see Him in the world. When Mashiach comes, when the Messiah comes, the experience of God is absolute. There's no possibility for atheism in a world where you have das, experiential knowledge of God. Now again, what does this have to do with the era of Rav, this mixed multitude? And the answer lies in a very important theme that we find throughout the Torah. And that is many times we have words that perhaps they have the same gematria, or you even have a word that's used in two different ways that are completely the opposite. An example of this, we find that there's a concept of Moshiach. Moshiach means the Messiah. It's the days, the time when God reveals himself. But we also have the concept of the Nachash. The word Nachash means the snake. The snake represents the forces of evil that will remove the awareness of God. Now, both of these two words, Mashiach and Nachash, snake, these two words have the same exact gematria numerical value. And the reason is because they are counterforces. One is the force, one is the counterforce. Mashiach is the one who's going to bring that reality, that connection of God to the forefront. And similarly, the Nachash, the snake, the Satan, the forces of evil try to prevent that. Thus, the purpose of the air of Rav, the mixed multitude, is actually the opposite of the concept of Da'as. Da'as means connection. It means the connection between the Jewish people and God. It means an intimate association, an intimate understanding, an absolute realization that God is there, He's providing for all of our needs. What happens? What does the air of Rav do every single time? The air of Rav says, we're not interested in a connection with God. What's going on here? God is not taking care of us. What is the mon, the manna? The word mon 
Nun has two letters in it, Mem and Nun. The letter Mem always represents the concept of Malchus. Malchus is the concept of this world, of the physical world, where we take the potential that we're given and we connect it to the spiritual. The letter Nun, which has a gematria, a numerical value of 50, always represents a level of transcendence, of entering into the spiritual. So the Mon, the concept of the manna, is there's a connection between the physical world up into the transcendental realm. So the Mon, which was provided directly by God to the Jewish people constantly, that represented the forging of the relationship between God and the Jewish people. The Ere of Rab, what's their purpose? To disconnect the Jewish people from God, to separate the Das, to lose the connection between God and the Jewish people. That's why they reject the Mon. They reject the manna that shows God cares about the Jewish people and is intimately involved. What do they say? They say, God's not providing for us. We want meat. We want, we want watermelon. We want all these things that we had in Mitzrayim. Those days, oh, they were so wonderful. Don't you remember what we had in Egypt? And the Jewish people begin to cry. What's the significance of crying? When do we cry? When we mourn a loss, when we feel disconnected, somebody passes away, we cry, heaven forbid. But we cry. Why? Because we feel a disconnection. The Jewish people, all of a sudden, they were faced with a disconnection at the ear of Rav. This mixed multitude was trying to create, and they fell prey to that. The moment they fell prey, so there was a disconnection that was immediately created because of their complaint, because of their crying, it immediately created a ripple effect that indeed created a disconnection. That disconnection resulted in anger from Moshe Rabbeinu, who was their connection through which they received communications from God. And there was a disconnection from God himself, and there was this anger. And at that moment, Moshe says, Moses says, I cannot carry this nation anymore. The Jewish people are disconnecting themselves from you, God. I cannot do it by myself. What does God respond to Moshe, you are right. The Ruach HaKodesh, the prophecy, cannot be centered anymore inside of you. It can't totally come from you anymore from this point on. It's going to have to be split up. Since the Jewish people have separated themselves from me, you're going to have to take the Ruach HaKodesh, the prophecy, and place it on 70 other individuals in order for them to be able to deal with the Jewish people. Because they have separated themselves from God, so now Moshe Rabbeinu Moses, who is God's agent, can no longer be directly dealing with the Jewish people on his own. And it's very interesting because we find another place where there's a splitting up into 70 from the number one. And that place is in regards to the Dur HaFlaga, in the generation where the entire humankind was spread out amongst the entire world. What was the preface to that? So they had come together as one. They were one nation that were all living in the area of Iraq, of Bavel. And they came together as one in order to fight against God. Instead of joining together to serve God, they came to fight against God. And Avram Avinu, Abraham, was the only one who stood on the other side, didn't take part and said, I'm going to serve God. And only he alone was chosen to further the plan of God at that point. In any event, the entire humankind at that moment was together as one in defiance of God. And what did God do? He took them and he split them up into 70 different nations. So here we see explicitly that the concept of 70 is a splitting up of the one, of the direct connection of the unity into many different parts to the point where unity is almost impossible. That's what happened here. There was a splitting up, there was a taking of the prophecy of Moshe, splitting it over 70 other people. Now what happens right after that? Very interesting. Eldad and Medad. These two special individuals, they had not come to be part of the 70 great sages. Instead, they stayed inside the camp, even though they were fitting to be part of those 70 sages. They stayed there out of their humility. Unbelievable. And they also got this prophecy. 
And the reason was because they were humble. They had the ability to subdue their own egos as opposed to the concept of the era of Rav, the mixed multitude. All they care about is themselves. All they care about is separating the unity of the Jewish people with God. They just care about their own egos. So in Eldad and Medad, they realized the opposite is what's necessary now. That's what they had. They had that humility. And that's why they were able to get the prophecy, that connection to God. They tapped into it at that moment. But what they also tapped into at that moment was what was going on generally with the Jewish people. And it was because of a disunity, this lack, this air of rub, this mixed multitude that had caused the disconnection between God and the Jewish people. That was why, or it was beginning perhaps, the seed of the fact that the Jewish people would not be able to enter the land of Israel with Moshe, with Moses as their leader. That was why they were prophesying at this moment that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to die and instead Joshua would bring the Jewish people into Israel. Now, what's important that we understand for ourselves in our very own lives is that the era of Rav, this mixed multitude, exists until this very day. These souls were mixed into the Jewish people, and they exist. They've been reincarnated into the Jewish people today. How do you know who is a person who is the era of Rav? And the answer is very simple. Any person whose goal is to separate the Jewish people from God or to separate the Jewish people from each other, that is somebody who is called the heir of Rav. He is somebody who wants to create a lack of Das, a lack of connection, a lack of experience between the Jewish people and God himself. And the importance of this understanding is essential because we need to know who to avoid and who to connect ourselves to. We need to know that the only way to channel ourselves, to direct ourselves into a relationship with God, is only by avoiding these types of people, the air of Rav, the ones who would destroy our relationship with God, the ones who say that there are greater and lesser parts of the Jewish people. There's no greater and lesser parts of the Jewish people. Every single Jew is essential in God's plan. Every single Jew, it doesn't matter if they believe in God or they don't believe in God, doesn't matter what their level of religiosity is, it's irrelevant. Every single Jew is essential to God's plan, and in order for God to rest his shekhinah, as we've mentioned before, to bring that divine presence upon the Jewish people, we have to love each other unconditionally. And that's what the heir of Rav seeks their entire existence is for, destruction of that love between the Jewish people and Mamela, and thereby, destruction of the connection between God and the Jewish people. I want to bless you and me and all of us, that we should be able to defy the air of Rav, to get rid of the air of Rav from in midst of ourselves, from inside of our own hearts, because we have that inside of ourselves too. We have to get rid of it from inside of ourselves. We need to avoid those types of people. We need to look for leaders, for people, for rabbis who will bring us closer to God, bring us closer to a love, an unconditional love of every single other Jew. And thereby, God willing, we will all merit the coming of the Messiah speedily and in our days. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos.